Are you ready to take action to attain the lifestyle of your dreams? It's a great way to make a lot of money fast, fast, fast. Hey, what's going on, Clever Investors? Welcome back to the Clever Investor Show. I'm your lucky host, Cody Sperber, the OG Clever Investor. We're back in the studio, and today we got quite the crew with us Let's here go. today. We got my business partner, Brian. We got Forrest here with us. And today we got a special guest, Robert Wensley from Investor Lift in the house. He was here recording like kind of, what are you doing right now? You're recording like a behind the scenes kind of case study thing? We're doing behind the scenes with all the top players across the country. And we we made the cut. You made the cut, Brian. Absolutely, we, we're 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 winning, bro. We're, we're one of the Why? we're one of the OGs, man. Of course, original, you guys original are, OGs. Yeah. So we of course made. The I cut. remember watching your Lamborghini video like in 2015 and being like, "Who is this guy? Yeah, and why then, is he? Why is he standing in front of a bank, standing on top of a Lamborghini? Yeah, the hell's the matter with <laughs> yeah. this guy? So flame, you're OG, OG. Yeah, and now here we are, years later. I love it. Well, for those of you that don't know Robert, um, we use one of his his companies. He's got this amazing product in the real estate space called Investor Lift. And look, whenever we're talking about wholesaling houses, there's two sides of a transaction. The first side is how do we get houses? How do we how do we find opportunities, find deals? How do we work with sellers, lock deals up? The art of influence and negotiation, presenting an offer, getting properties under contract, controlling real estate. And then on the back end of the transaction, we got dispositions. We got to actually flip these properties to somebody that is actually looking for a good deal. And that's typically a rehabber or a landlord. You saw a major challenge that I have been, I've actually tried to crack this code in yeah, the past. A lot, a lot of people in the software and education space have looked at this in the past. I actually built a product called the M3. This was in 2011. So I want wow. you to go back really, in time. Really. 2011. Click funnels didn't exist. Marketing funnels didn't exist. Like none of this. I came out with this product that was called the Mobile Marketing Machine. 2011, 2012, we hit the ground running. And it was an email marketing platform, a text message marketing platform, and a ringless voicemail marketing platform. And it was for wholesalers where we, and it had done for you funnels attached yeah. to it. So like, imagine like kind of like the marketing stuff and click funnels all sandwiched together, but for real estate wholesalers. And I used it internally and we murdered every one of our competitors because we had this tool. Yeah. You needed a competitive tool back then right. and nobody was doing ringless voicemail. Nobody was doing text message marketing. I was the first in the country to do it. Now, while we murdered it with that, then everybody started dogpiling in and figuring this out. And then my next evolution was, I got to figure out a way. I got all these students all over the place. I got to figure out a way to, I got the software everybody's using sold a couple million dollars worth. It's like, okay, let's pull the resources together and create the world's biggest cash buyer list. Yeah. And I actually struggled with it because none of the freaking wholesalers wanted to share the damn list. Yeah. It, but I had it inside the system, but ethically, yeah. it wasn't really legally, but ethically, I couldn't just take other people's list and sandwich them together and use them without right. everybody's permission. And so somehow, some way, you figured out how to pull off the mo like one of the toughest things in the game, which is to create how many buyers are even in four million, three million? We're at four point eight million. Damn. We'll probably break five million buyers by by Q one. The whole thing, and you have different levels, and yeah. we're not here to sell this software. I'm just saying you've invented a tool that helps wholesalers sell houses faster. That's super fast. Like we just did, we just blasted one out and like your, your girl, Michaela, Michaela, we Michaela had 19 she's like, responses. Watch, watch how fast this is going to be on this one. Within 90 seconds, 90 seconds, yep. we had almost 20 leads. Mm -hmm. Damn. My phone yeah. sounded like Vegas. Bring, 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 bring. I love people, that. People messaging in off of yeah. this one blast that we did. Well, we made a ton of money. We, 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 we've sold a lot of properties through, through, you know, our partnership with your, with your software. And it's been great. And um, thank you for creating that for us. Cause we made a lot of money from thank it. Thank you for using it. Thank you for being one of our OG customers. I think you guys came in like at the very beginning, like the first month we opened it up. Yeah. The first month. I remember you called me up. You're like, Hey Robert, I heard about this thing from this guy back mm -hmm. when you were at uh, Tarka Musa's team. Yeah. And uh, we got, you got rolling. You were one of, you're, you're one of our oldest well, customers. Well, we love it. And, um, and, and look, we on this podcast today, what I really want to do is I want to talk about nationwide wholesaling. I want yeah. to talk about scaling a wholesaling business. I want to yeah. talk about surviving in 2024. We're rolling into this new year. It's like things have changed. The world has changed. Wholesaling's changed. 
how do we survive and thrive by using tools like this and getting out in front of our competitors. So, you know, you've now successfully scaled many wholesale businesses to, you know, million dollar a month type businesses. Yeah, I think we've broken a million a month at least four times. uh, And we got a few more that are almost there. So that's what we're really known for is taking companies that are doing 100, 200,000 a month and helping them get to mega scale, right? Well, let's talk about that, how, how to do that. And then also let's talk about the legalities and things that are changing around the yeah. real estate agent space and the wholesaling space. Love it. I think that'd be a good good use of our time. Um, and by the way, if, if, if you at any point in time are listening to this, watching this on YouTube at our channel at Clever Investor, and you want to take InvestorLift for a you know, test drive, you want to use it in your business, just go to codysconnections.com and we have an investor lift kind of affiliate tab there. I'm going to make some moolah on you if you end up buying it. So I'm just putting that out there right now. Buy his shit. It works. Uh, And I want to get paid too. So that's, that's a bonus for me. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, all right. So let's talk about scaling to nationwide. Most wholesalers, when they first hear about this they hear about it from some local person or maybe online they hear about it and they and they, you normally start local right it's yeah. normally everyone starts local right okay you get plugged in your local real, real estate investor meetup groups you start talking to other wholesalers maybe getting on some wholesalers local lists and you start learning the business you find a guy like me standing in front of a bank with a lamborghini and a yeah. check and you're like all right let's see what this guy has has to say i think a lot of it has to do with which markets you're going to pick yeah. So, you know, I know that you don't just go nationwide and turn on PPC no. and try to go 20. It's been very few that have even ever had success long-term doing that. It doesn't work. Um, but if you can designate six to maybe eight hot markets, yeah, penetrate those six markets to eight markets, yeah. consider that your nationwide, mm-hmm. really hone in. You got to have at least a half a million homes within a one-hour radius in order to be successful, stay away from the rural areas. You know, you want to make sure that there's a half a million single family home residents, choose six to eight markets, and then just reverse the data, right? You got to understand what the buyers are buying. And Artemis mode, for those of you guys who don't know, kind of covers that, which we'll touch base a little bit more. I think before you even go into market selection, what you really want to start out and look at first is, does it make sense for you to go into multiple markets, right? So uh, a lot of times what happens is people are going to go into multiple markets of necessity, right? So Mm -hmm. you're going to start off in one market, right? And what's going to happen is you're going to start going deep on multiple marketing channels. If you're in one market, you have to use multiple market channels and you have to go deep on them. And as you go deep and you start spending more, you start having diminishing returns on your ad spend, right? So you might start off and you have a 10x return on ad spend, and as you start spending more and more, all of a sudden you start going to 6x, mm. 5x, 4x. Uh, when we took Express Home Buyers to a million dollars a month, we got to a million dollars a month. And then we're like, hey, let's double marketing and see what happens. We doubled marketing and we didn't go to $2 million a month. We went to about like 1.1 and 1.2. So we're, we're, you're going to hit mm-hmm. those diminishing returns really quick. So your cost per lead is very high. Your cost per deal is very high. And as a result, you have to use every marketing channel. The other thing you have to do is you have to use every exit opportunity because there's scarcity of deals, right? So you have to have, you got to be wholesaling. You're probably got novations going. You might be listing stuff on the MLS. You might be doing subject to seller financing, taking stuff down. So you're going very deep in one market and you have to do that because your cost per lead and your cost per deal is very high. So you got to monetize as many leads as you can. So, I don't like that model. There's nothing wrong with that model. A lot of people are very successful at that model. Like Tiffany High up in Ohio, mm-hmm. great example. Someone that does that very well. Tens of different exit options. Let's cover some of those marketing, of marketing channels. channels. So there's there's pay per lead, pay per lead, direct mail, direct mail. There's going to be geofencing inbound, TV inbound, radio, radio inbound, print inbound, SEO inbound, Facebook ads inbound, cold calling outbound, MLS offer system free, wholesale offer system free, attorney out, uh, outreach, those are your probate opportunities, yeah. fire damage referrals, restoration companies, door knocking, 
the list goes on and on, guys. Yeah. It, any of them work. And but, that, I see but, you're looking at Tiffany High Post. Yeah, she posts right this today. Because she, she has said, to do all those marketing She said, channels. literally, I do all these different marketing yeah. channels in my daily to keep my business humming. Mm -hmm. So it's not just. And that's because she went deep in going one deep. market, mm -hmm. really trying to, you know, like the Marine Corps, make money yeah. from all leads, leaving no leads behind. No leads yeah. behind. Yeah. Monetize everything. And we, when we were starting off at, Park by his houses mm -hmm. before you came over here. That was the model. And mm -hmm. that's usually the model that most people start with. Now, here's the reason why I don't like that model. I don't like that model because it's very overhead heavy, right? And there's also a lot of operational complexity. You have to have SOPs on a million different things. You have a CRM with 150 different marketing field, different fields. You end up having uh, a lot of employees. Uh, it's just, it's a stressful business to run. Okay. Now, what I really like and what InvestorLift is famous for is taking companies and moving to just one marketing channel and that's paid marketing where the leads are coming in from like Google ads, Facebook ads, things like that. Mostly, mostly Google ads. So we're only doing one marketing channel. We're trying to become the best in the world at one marketing channel. And we just, we don't have a bunch of different exit strategies. We just do strictly wholesaling and the leads come in. You try to close one in 10 of them. You get the photos, you throw them on the best lift, you sell them, and you can have very small teams, like a dozen or less people to pump crazy numbers, a million plus a month. And because uh, you're just on one channel, uh, you're able to build your competitive advantage a lot quicker because the more you spend on Google, the more data you have, the more efficient it gets. But if you just go to one channel, you need to have multiple markets, okay? So it forces you into having multiple markets because if you just have one market, you're going to starve. But as soon as you move into multiple markets, what happens is your cost per lead decreases, mm -hmm. cost per deal decreases, and you can also be more picky. You don't have to do every single deal. You don't have to say yes to every single lead. You don't have to novate and do MLS and take stuff down and fix and flip. You don't have to do a million different exit options. You can just run a really lean machine and be a little bit picky and just do the very best across multiple markets. So how would you recommend somebody who's just like, maybe they're doing, you know, two to three local wholesale deals yeah. and they're listening to this. And they're like, that makes a lot of sense to me. Let's get going. How do they, how do you coach them through picking markets? Like, are you reverse engineering where the cash buyers are buying? This is where yeah. based on our internal data, everybody wants properties in these five markets. Yeah, great question. So if you're part of InvestWolf, we'll just give you the data. Right. Um, but I'll give you a few quick hacks that you can use regardless of whether or not you're on InvestSwift or non InvestSwift. First thing I'm going to say is uh, don't pick too many, right? Like, like, like what Bryant was saying, uh, there was this big misconception that uh, when we started scaling up these nationwide wholesalers, people were like, they thought nationwide mean, meant like literally like every True single nationwide. market. Like, yeah. Like, no, 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 no. Like, You'll make we're your doing, dispositions team head spin. Yeah. yeah. You know, like half a dozen to a dozen max uh, that you're going to want to start with. And you test them. And then you, you know, after a few months of testing, you're going to take the winners, double down on them and kill off the losers and bring in new ones to test. You're constantly trying to find like your like core moneymaker markets. So we're going to, you're going to want to pick half a dozen or a dozen or so to, to, to start. And what you're going to want to do is, like Brian said, avoid anything with, you know, population of half a million or less. Any enemy MSAs with po population half a million or less, it's just, just, there's just not enough demand for the deals. The deals are not moving fast enough. Mm -hmm. um, so we'd like to focus just on, you know, major cities. Uh, a, 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 a stupid kind of mental hack is like if they have a, a major sports team, it's probably a good market. So if you want to go really simple, just like, look, they got a major sports team, it's probably a good market. And then you want to be where the most deal volume is happening is in the like two hundred to four hundred thousand dollar range. So if you just type in the if you're thinking about a city, right? Um, like I'll give you an example of a good city and a bad city. So Phoenix. If I type in Phoenix on Google, I do like average sale price in Phoenix. What's the average sale price here? Uh, Median's about four fifty. Four fifty. Yeah. Okay, so it's a little high, but that would be what I would consider like pretty good market. Okay. Now, if I typed in Baltimore, Baltimore does meet the half million plus criteria, but then their average sale price is, is too low there, right? Baltimore is a horrible market. Your assignment fees, you can't, you can't make a $30,000 assignment fee on a $10,000 house, 
It just doesn't work. Uh, so you want to be focused on the more high price point markets because your assignment fees are going to be about 10% of the sale price of the house. We want to be getting twenty-five dollars to $35,000 per deal minimum for it to make sense for us. Because the steps it takes to do a deal, the steps to make a $5,000 assignment fee versus a $50,000 assignment fee are the same. It's the exact same amount of work. In fact, actually the $5,000 deal, nine times over 10 is going to be twice as much work. It's a bigger headache. It's where you get all the headaches is on a small yep. deal. Well, so stay away from the trash markets. Before, and I'm... I know this is kind of a hot topic of discussion, but you know, NAR just had uh, a lawsuit that came yeah. out. It was a $1.8 billion lawsuit and it has to deal with a buyer broker commission, yeah. uh, which turned into a $5 billion lawsuit and a lot more people named in different suits. And so they actually won. Uh, it may be up for appeal. We don't know for sure, but I know that there's already been changes in our MLS yeah. that literally allow steering not to happen anymore for buyer agents that have buyers they used to be able to co select the commission mm -hmm. to only show them three percent commission deals or mm. two and a half percent commission deals in this zip code and so they would never see the deals meaning mm. you know it was always like feeling like if you're selling this flip that you had to sell it at a three percent commission otherwise it wasn't going to get shown well a lot of people you know weren't too happy about that and yeah. uh you know the rule uh was basically that you can't do that anymore. So MLS yeah. made that change. That. And we as wholesalers, right, and investors, fiction flippers, we're also considering like, hey, if this house is 600,000, there's a 3% commission in there. That's already 18,000 assignment. Mm -hmm. If we just sell it for 10K assignment, now we're making 28,000. Yeah. So we were always using that buyer broker commission and now mm. we're starting to see that go away. Yeah. And maybe a lot of the realtors are going to go away too. They're, mm -hmm. they're in talks of a half a million realtors falling off that represented buyers. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what your thoughts are on that. But I mean... It's very simple. If you're a realtor, it's bad. If your wholesaler is good. I'll tell you why it's good for wholesalers and investors is because, uh, the, I mean, the, the NAR is one of the biggest lobbying groups in the country. And they're always looking for something to focus their big bazooka on. And for the last couple of years, their bazooka has been focused on the wholesaler and investor segment because they have a scarcity mindset and they think that we're taking business away from them. So they want to crack down on the wholesalers. Now, I think there should be some rules and regulations around wholesaling. Um, I'm very libertarian, but there's also like some stuff that's just like, okay, no. Like, like with like, standardized contracts. Yeah, and like, mm -hmm. We should have some uniformity. Um, but... Uh, I don't want NAR telling us what you should do. Like the, these these new rules and regulations have been coming out in some states where you got to be a licensed realtor to wholesale. It's the stupidest shit. Yeah. Like what the skill set Call, you Calling need, wholesale is predatory, but realtors can litter your front door oh with, my God, with flyers you and door predatory. Like yeah. Every realtor out there, they're way more like, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. Agreed. So what I like about it though, is now NAR, their hands are tied up in these lawsuits for the next five, 10 years. They're, they're not, they don't have any time or resources to fuck with us anymore. Like, like, I love that. All of their resources are going to be focused now on dealing with this. They're in crisis mode. And so it's just going to get, get them off the back of us real estate investors. So that's what I love about it. Yeah, that's a huge plus. Um, I also think that the sellers, it's going to be a little easier approach because now, there's not going to be a lot of buyer representation. They're going to yeah. get more open to working with the wholesaler, working with the cash offer, working with a convenience type of sale because in reality, you know, there's not going to be a lot of motivated buyer agents showing the property because if they're not going to earn a commission or the buyers are just going to push back and say, I'm just going to call the number on the listing, you might as well look at Investor Lift's marketplace yeah, of available properties yeah. and not even worry about it because there's no buyer broker representation mm -hmm. that potentially could happen anyways yeah. if, if you know, 45% of the realtors go away. So I think it's a big move. We don't have to, you know, create the whole podcast around that. I just thought it's interesting because it's going down right now. There's already been mm -hmm. changes in the MLS that have happened locally in our market. And mm -hmm. I think that approach when you're talking to a seller and letting them know the new information and now it's getting more and more common to maybe not have buyer representation mm -hmm. uh, and might as well just get the deal done quick and easy and dirty with me right now. Yeah, 100%. Cool. Yeah, so uh, bad for realtors, great for investors. Great for investors too.
because I think you're right. We're going to see we, we, we in the future of investors might be more of those guys that just want to put some sweat equity in. Yep. Buying off investors. We don't have that. How today. does a, how does a buyer even get on your buyer's list for investor? Yeah, just go on investor.com. And once you get on there, it's going to ask you to put it in the areas that you invest in. Then you can set your buy box criteria. Like I could say, hey, I want single family, two bedrooms, three ba- bathrooms, minimum 1980. You're built in Scottsdale, Arizona. And then anytime that there's a deal in that area, you're going to get sent to you. Now, keep in mind, uh, there are different levels of investor lift. Like if you're a VIP, you're going to get deals earlier and you're going to get the better deals. So once you've bought some deals from us, you're going to see stuff that you might not necessarily see when you first log in. Like uh, like your algorithm notices their level and pushes properties out to them a certain way? Yeah. So we got a few things. So once you buy at least one deal, you become a VIP and you'll start getting access to the good deals. Um, but one of the things that we're working on right now is AI that will match each deal with the best buyer. So we have... We have about 7 billion data points now on every single buyer interaction off of those 4.6 million buyers. So at peak, we're sending about 70 million emails a month. 70 million is a lot. Like I'm Canadian originally. There's 35 million people in Canada. That's like hitting every man, woman, and child in the country twice a month. Like insane volume. But So that's our first data point. Every time we do a send, we track that against each buyer. But then we see who's opening, who's clicking. Once they get to that property, how many images are they clicking through? That shows intent. Are they requesting the address that shows more intent? Are they submitting an inquiry saying, hey, can you tell me more information about this deal? Hey, is there a lockbox on this property? Are they making an offer? What we found is actually uh, buying behavior, what their behavior on the site was, was a way better predictor of what they're actually going to spend their money on versus what they're saying, putting their buy box. The buy boxes were basically kind of bullshit. So you can set your buy box, but what we're moving away is we're going post buy box now where like the AI, once you start shopping, is going to learn what you like. Just like Netflix, right? When you go on yeah. Netflix, you don't want to have your wife logging on your profile because she'll watch a bunch of, you know, like Selling Sunset and shows like that. And all of a sudden you're getting, it screws <laughs> up all your recommendations and you're not getting like Saving Private Ryan anymore. You're getting like keeping up with the Kardashians, right? So as you watch stuff on your Netflix profile, it's going to get better and better and better at recommending stuff that you like. Same thing when you're shopping on Amazon. Like these recommendation algorithms are pretty pretty standardized now. That's what we're moving to on InvestorLift here over the next uh, over the next year. And actually, you guys are going to be the first team that has access to it. We're going to give you guys access to Boom. this. That's week. awesome. Yeah. I We're think, gonna roll that out this week. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, you're smart for looking at it like that. For, for yeah. including the AI in it, it's like a it's a, the ultimate power matching. Yeah. It's like, hey, these are the properties we know that you're gonna need to to, to focus on. Absolutely, and you, smart. And and you were mentioning a little bit earlier than we, we were talking. You said that the big software update. Tell us a little yeah, bit more just about that. Just went live. So that just went live yeah. this weekend. We what does that do? That for over a year. Um, that's what we were just playing with. We were just playing with it. So the first version of God mode I built a couple years ago, and that gives you the information on all the, the flips that have happened around your deal. So we ingest all the properties that are sold every month. We run some algorithms on them, find the ones that are fix and flips. And we show that to you on a map where, you know, one of your dissuasions can pull up that map. They can see every deal, what was bought for, what it was sold for, how much money they made, when they bought it, when they sold it, whole time, what percentage ARV they bought it for. And then also we have this thing called buyer score, which is kind of like a credit score for that buyer. So you can see like how powerful is that buyer? Like, is there, are they a mom and pop shop that's only done one or two deals in this market? Or are they a mega hedge fund that's done thousands? Or are they somewhere in between? So I can use that to kind of try to find the perfect buyer for that deal. Now we did all that on the fix and flip side. People are like, why don't you just add it to buy and hold as well? I'm like, okay, well, it's actually like we're dealing with hundreds of millions of data points here. It's not just like a simple like, ooh, magic, like, okay, we got buy and hold. So we've been working out for a while. That just went live this week. So now not only do you have all the fix and flips, but you also have all the buy and holds. Um, I'm staying over at Zachary Keep's place. He's one of the highest rated buyers here in Phoenix, Arizona. And I asked him, I'm like, hey, how many properties do you have in your real estate investing portfolio? And he told me, and I opened up his buyer profile. He could literally see all of his holdings, everything that we was holding, but then also all his fix and flips. So on each buyer profile, now we've now rescored all the buyer scores. 
linking up all their buy and hold portfolios. And um, the goal is to like get to a point where like every investor in America has their investor portfolio profile. It's got all their all their flip history, all their buy and hold history, everything that they've done as an investor. When they're trying to get a loan, hard money loan or something, and they were like, someone's like, "Hey, I'm going to charge you 15 percent." Like, no, 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 wait a second. Hey, check out my investor left profile. Here's the stuff I've done. I'm not a chump. I've done a lot of deals. Give me the good rate. You know, or like I'm trying to do a deal with you and you're like, hey, what have you done? Let me show you what I've done. Check out my investor uh, profile. Or you're trying to move a deal. You're trying to move a deal. You're going to find the best person for that deal. One of the biggest fears of new wholesalers is not even having a buyer lined up. This takes a lot of that fear away from people and just gives them like the confidence like, hey, and this is for us, look, not everybody. So God mode, just so you guys know, is very locked down. There's only a handful of people that actually have access to the highest tier usage. Well, you got that. You're talking about cartel mode. Or we're in cartel That's mode. Sorry. We're in cartel thing. mode. Yeah. Cartel mode is like for the top tier wholesalers in the country. And we have the most tools and we have the most access to the to, to the power of the software. Which is why a lot of people that are only doing one, two, three deals a month come to us. Yep. They go through sendusthedeals.com. They submit their deal that they have locked up. They're the acquisition partner. We're the disposition partner. And we're using not only cartel mode, which is really helping us out, but also all of our other means of disposition to get their property sold through our network, which a lot of properties do sell through cartel mode. And it's a good strategic alliance for those of you that that are trying to figure out the game Maybe you can't afford your own version of, you know, because like it's 50 grand a year, 50 you, grand. Got, you spent the money, you got access to all the buyers. So if you got a deal to sell. Yeah. And it's limited. Times, like it's invite only type limited. Yeah. You can't just roll in no. and, and get it. You got to sold out to your wait list. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's great for us because it forces newbies that yeah. are just scaling right now. It's like, Hey, focus all your time and energy on your pay-per-click. Focus all your time and energy on picking your markets. Focus mm-hmm. all your energy on refining your acquisition skills. And then use us as your strategic disposition partner. Yeah. And all you got to do is go to sendusthedeals.com, submit your deal, fill out all the information. This works great if you have it under contract. It's a little bit more work for us and a little bit harder. And the deal splits are a little different. If we have to step in and help you get a deal under contract. So like once you get good at acquisitions, just bring it to us. We'll dispo it for top dollar, get as much money for the property as possible, and then split the profits with you guys. So you're saying that they don't even need to have the deal under contract. They just have to have a seller waving their hand that says, I'm open to an offer. As long as they have that work, as long as they have the seller's contact information, um, obviously we prefer them to go through and actually have a relationship with the seller, make sure that they're open to selling and they're motivated to sell. Um, not just a property they drove past and saw tall grass and lots of mail. Yeah. Um, and they can submit that right to send us the Well, I, I just want to, not to cut you off. I just want to make sure that anybody listening to this is we don't have the bandwidth to work with everybody. True. We don't want to work with everybody. We, there's a lot of, when you're new, this is just what it is. When you're new, you f- you're fumbling around in the dark a little bit. You're, you're trying to figure out what is a wholesale deal, how to tell a deal from a dud, how to know how to even ask the right question to a seller to pull out the information to see if it's a potential deal. So many of our listeners reach out and they ask us how they can get involved in my actual real estate deals. Our investment firm specializes in finding deeply discounted properties, acquiring them, renovating, stabilizing both single family and multifamily properties all over the United States. That's why we're so excited to share with you clevercapitalfund.com. Now, if you have some investment capital and you want to deploy it and receive double digit returns back by real estate, then visit our website and see which fund is right for you. We have both equity funds and we have debt funds where you just get paid out every month like clockwork. All you got to do is visit www.clevercapitalfund.com today to learn more. We have a program for that. It's called Do Deals With Me. And go to dodealswithme.com and we will train you if you're brand new and have never done a deal or if you've only done one deal and it was by accident, you got to get the training first. dodealswithme.com will give you the wholesale training. It'll give you access to some deal finding software to make your acquisition side of the business dialed in. Our ultimate goal is that you take the training, you master the skill, but you don't want to do the full wholesale transaction. Now you just bring it to us. 
We'll be your dispo arm. We'll be your strategic selling partner because we have access to the almost 5 million cash buyers. We have access to a massive army of my students that are also have their own private cash buyer databases. We can move property really fast. If you want to go that route, get the damn thing under contract and a good deal will sell itself in seconds. Like you started off this thing, like 90 seconds later, have 20 inquiries saying, and we want to see yeah, this you property. Know, that deal came from sendusthedeals.com. Yeah, the one yeah. that we were talking Prime about example. that we fed through marketing on the demo earlier today in front of the camera, that was a JV deal that came through sendusthedeals.com, already under contract, a beautiful deal, beautiful property, duplex, vacant, ready to go, turnkey property. We put it on InvestorLift, click go, and we just waited a second. And my phone, Michaela's phone, she's on Dispo, started lighting up. It was just one thing after another, after another, after another. And that was a JV deal that was brought to us through sendusthedeals.com. Yeah, I love that. And so if if you're already good at acquisitions, sendusthedeals.com all day long. You start just sending us like, I saw this mm -mm. property on Zillow. No, thank you. Right away, we're out because we just don't have the bandwidth to coach you up there. That's where Clever Investor in the education business comes in and dodealswithme.com comes in. So just clarifying that before every one of my listeners is like calling Forrest going, hey, dude, will you help me get the property under contract? <laughs> I, I love that you guys are doing this because I remember when I was first getting started, right? You get your first deal and you get on a contract, you're like high five and like, yeah, like I got the deal or even like your first few deals. And then you, you want know the next feeling? The next feeling is this, this anxiety, this like, oh shit, anxiety. Like, I hope I can find a buyer for this because mm -hmm. I just talked a big game and granny's packing up her house. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. That's the worst when they're moving out. When they're when they're oh, they're, they're prepping to move they out. They call you, do I need to move the grandfather clock? And you're like, I sure. Do we have a buyer yet? Sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, you gotta make sure you, you have a buyer. You, when you don't want to do that. When you're first getting started, you don't have those buyers. And you shouldn't be doing wholesale if that's gonna be your exit strategy no. is not communicating with the seller and going past your inspection period. Yeah. And 100%. or That's a why. lot of this paperwork lets you keep your inspection period up until the day of close. No communication. The seller's already packed. They've already made plans. That is what gives wholesalers mm -hmm. a bad, bad rap. Yeah. And so if you're going to be wholesaling, be prepared to close on the property that you put on your contract and or use your inspection period to do your due diligence because that's okay. what it's for mm -hmm. and don't let it go till the day before close. Yep. Have it be a seven or 10 day and, and better than that, five day due diligence. You don't need three weeks to figure out if you're going to move forward right. on this $300,000 single family house in Missouri. You yep. need five days or less to figure out where you're at with your buyers and ultimately is there enough profit based off of where you locked it up at to fix and flip or hold. I love that. I know a lot of people out there saying five five day due diligence period. That seems kind of scary. I, I will say this though, and this is proven. We proved it today yeah. and he's proven it time and time again. If you go through something like due deals, get paid challenge or due deals with me.com and you get trained up on how to actually negotiate these contracts, a sexy deal is going to sell very fast. And as soon yeah, as we blast it out on Investor hours. Lift, it's going to be gone in 24 to 36 hours. He's yeah. got that proven. He's got all the data to show it. We just went through it over there. So if you have the, the acquisition skills and the negotiating skills, um, you're going to be able to lock these days up. So a five-day disposition or five-day inspection period, when you can get the deal done through in, Investor Lift in 24 to 36 hours, what's five days? You still have room to, to breathe. But back to Brian's point, transparency in in dealing with 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 anybody that's that's just paramount. look you're going to get more contracts the shorter your inspection period is sure so if you're going against a comp competitor and he wants a 30-day inspection and a 60-day close mm -hmm. and you're after a seven-day inspection and a 21-day close who do you think is going to win that's just 100%. like terms that's right basic so when we're talking about the opportunity to you know work terms into your contract and work deals on the dispo side, because that's really what we're here for today. We're talking about yeah. acquisitions is a separate side of the business and dispositions is a whole separate side of the business. Yep. People think wholesaling Two is arms. one business. Oh. Actually, disposition, you should get really good at locking up deals, getting your terms, getting your contracts and moving on to your next opportunity and letting a dispo company that specializes in all the nuances of figuring out inspection periods, figuring out uh, access to the property, figuring out walkthroughs, putting buyers against each other, making sure that we're getting the highest dollar for, for you and just concentrating on that side. It's called outsourcing, guys. Mm -hmm. If you can outsource for 50% of what the deal was going to make, 
you would have probably sold that deal for a 5K assignment. We may have a buyer with our funds or any of our additional VIP buyers that would have paid 20K assignment. So we already earned our keep just by doing that. That's why we really want to kind of drive it home that, look, sendusadeals.com is your opportunity to outsource with the best yeah. of the best dispo companies. You already said, yeah. with OG, the, 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 the no best, the access to the newest features. We are here to support you guys in your mission. And the numbers do play out pretty close to that, right? Like the average assignment fee, if you talk to any real estate coach, right? Average assignment fee nationwide is about 14 to 15,000 for people not on investor. Would you agree with that, Cody? One hundred years of yeah. experience. On InvestLift, on a typical month, we're in the low 30s. So it's literally double. So even if you're giving a 50% cut to have your team do all the work and give you that that assurance, that guarantee that this deal is going to get sold to the best buyer, a legit buyer that actually has the funds to close, even if you're putting up half to have your team take over, you're probably, you could be walking with You're going to be able to do maybe more Maybe even more money. Yeah. And we, we talked about scaling. I mean, yeah. that's how, I mean, if, you, if, if you're a solopreneur and you've got 100% of yourself to give to something and you're going to spend 50% on acquisitions and 50% of your time on dispositions, why not offload that to somebody who can increase the assignment fee by, by double? Right. And now you can put 100% into acquisitions and offload those off to somebody like sendusthedeals.com or get your own investor lift account through Cody's yeah. Connections. And now you're, you're, you're working smarter, not harder. You know, just by coaching so many people over the years, um, I remember years ago, we would have young kids come to us, 17 years old, and they go, oh, yeah. I want to get into the business. And I'm like, okay, let's kind of do an assessment of your personality. And some of them were young hustlers, outgoing, wants to go out there and like boots on the ground. Like they're just like, they, they want to get on the phones. They're excited to get on the phones. They're excited to go out and touch the real estate and like be in the mix of like all of it. And then you got other people that are like, I don't want to leave my room. I don't want to talk yeah. to barely anybody. Like if I could do everything just through a text message or through a, a, a private DM or something like that, like that's what I want to do. And I remember when Hunter, 17 years old, came to me and, and we put him through the, the wholesale coaching training and he was failing miserably. And I was like getting pissed off at my coaches and, and I was getting frustrated at myself. I'm like, why can't we get this kid to break through? He's putting in the work. Yeah. Like hours and hours and hours of watching training videos and doing all this stuff, but behind the scenes refused because of his personality type to call a seller, refused mm. to go get out of his bedroom and go to a house and actually sit down at a kitchen table or whatever. He looked really young. Yeah. He had all these self-limiting beliefs and he had this personality type. And one day it just like the light bulb went off and I'm like, switch up to just buyers. Your mm -hmm. only job for the next 90 days is to build a buyer's list. And I'm going to teach you a strategy. Back then I had a strategy on LinkedIn. It was mm -hmm. my LinkedIn cash buyer machine. And I was like, what we're going to do is we're going to, because LinkedIn allowed you to export email addresses mm. from LinkedIn. I don't know if they still do it, but back no, then no. they allowed you to do this where you can go around and, and, and build like a, like a bunch of LinkedIn followers and then export your followers' email addresses. Wow. It was freaking brilliant. And I said, this is all we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to hammer LinkedIn. And then I also want to do it on Facebook and try and just do a DM strategy where we're DMing, 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 and it's just copy paste. Can you do that? And he goes, I could do this great. 90 days later, the kid built the, the strongest buyer list in Arizona I've ever seen. Oh. That kid grew up and went on to wholesale hundreds and hundreds of houses, eventually thousands of houses. And now he's one of the main partners at Keegley. Wow. Hunter, Jamil, Josiah, they all started Keegley. Yeah. Keegley is one of the largest wholesaling companies in the nation. Dispo shop. Big dispo shop. It started by just, and you got to recognize your personality type. If you're not good at certain things, lean in on this. I, I hate it when people give the advice, work on your weaknesses. Like, I don't have time to fucking learn Chinese. Like, I'm not good at math. Like, there's certain <laughs> things I'm not going to do. Yeah. I just am not going to do it. But I'm really great at these things. So magnify your strengths and outsource or delegate or delete your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And that to me is what, if you're recognizing like, I'm just not gonna, I'm really good at the acquisition, but I'm not gonna be good at disposition, then do this, yeah. outsource it to us. Yeah. If not, be great at the other thing. But it's very difficult nowadays for somebody to scale a wholesaling business where they're doing it all. Mm -hmm. If you watch around, the biggest wholesalers yeah. in town are either the strongest at dispo or the strongest at acquisition. Yeah. It's very rare that you see them yeah. strong at both.
Yeah, and even now, and I predicted this years ago, like when I got in the game, uh, you know, 2015, people, wholesalers were kind of looked down. There's no like mega wholesalers. Wholesalers were just the guys that didn't have the capital and didn't have the resources. Were the, the degenerates? They were. They were door knocking. <laughs> it was yeah. just. It was. That was it. Like, and I told the CEO at the time because I had a background in economics. I'm like, this. Th these two things do not make sense to be together. One is a marketing sales machine. One is a construction operation. These two are going to split up over the next few years, and you're going to see complete segmentation of guys that are specialized in construction and guys that are specialized in wholesaling. And guess what? I like the wholesaling side because it's way more scalable. So we should focus on that and forget about construction. The next segment you're going to see is within wholesaling, segmentation between acquisition and disposition. We're seeing that happen right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, There'll be dispo shops and there'll be acquisition shops. And then the next one we're going to see is within the acquisition shops, you're going to see the marketing gains split off as well. The lead gen, mm -hmm. it's going to be all by, there's going to be a few really good marketers that are going to generate all the leads and they're going to sell them to all the acquisition shops because the marketers will be the best in the world at generating the leads. And then the acquisition shops, they'll become the best in the world at converting those leads. And then the dispo shops, they'll be the best in the world at matching those up with buyers. And the construction guys will be the best in the world at Converting those and that's the way it should be. Staying, it staying be. in your lane, not getting you know shiny mm -hmm. object syndrome, and ultimately trying to do everything right. Yeah, hone it in. Um, let's talk about uh, what's working today, right? If you're in acquisitions, is cash offers the hottest thing since sliced bread, or are we talking creative terms right now? What's selling right now? What's working right now on your platform? Yeah, so let me go back a few months. Let's go talk about Q4 last year. Okay. Do you okay. guys have energy for this conversation? Because if not, yes, you guys can pop. This, pop this, the is a, this is a time I've been sponsored. dying to take a break and do this. You've seen me <laughs> fiddling with it over Just here. Just so you guys know that aren't watching us on our YouTube channel, everybody's holding one of my uh, supplements from Osnap. It's, uh, it's an energy drink called Surge. And it tastes like watermelon tequila. So just be prepared. You're about to fire it up, Love jump it. through a wall and punch a rhino in the head. Uh, but but the, uh, the concept with Surge is uh, no sugar, extreme clean energy with no crash in the snap. These, are, these things are called snap packs. They look like little colorful condoms, but they're actually a snap pack. They got liquid in them. Throw them in your purse, throw them in your gym bag and on the go. You just take a crack right to the face, push the liquid out through a little hole that um, pops open when you crack it in half. Shoot it, drink a little bit of water as a as a chaser, and uh, about four minutes later, you're going to be like, "What the hell is this?" I'm not going to I'm not going to be able to sit still. I'm no, gonna, no. I'm be over if here you can see my around. leg under the table, I've already got. ADD. Oh, you already had one? Yeah, I did it earlier. Otherwise, I'd do another one. But right before you guys came, I did one. All right, because uh, I'm up at four four a.m. You know, getting at it. That's what I literally wake up every single day. I take a huge thing of water. Uh, I, I crack one of these and I go for my morning run or a fasted cardio walk. This, I, sh this is, this is me. Yeah. I shred weight on this stuff Yeah, because you're really every, yeah, dude, it, it's all your energy just elevates to this like extreme place. And I feel yeah. like it raises your, um, just like fat burning because it's fasted cardio and it doesn't break your fast. And you know what? Us entrepreneurs, we're all caffeine addicts. Like, like you go into any of these offices. I've been going around all these offices all week long. Everyone's got a fridge full of energy drinks, and you look at how much sugar. Oh, I know. Would so you I say? Would you say entrepreneurs no are caffeine addicts and sex addicts? <laughs> Probably. On, on, on overall, like, should we? Overall. Should we? Should um, we do a study? Should we just do a poll? I got a T-shirt. I got a T-shirt idea. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty right, sure. Oh, I thought you said you had the T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Let's snap. Okay, All right, there you go. Cheers, never, never snap cheers, alone. Cheers. Oh, snap, baby. There you go. Love it. Mm. I, I told you, watermelon tequila. Give it about three tequila. minutes. You guys. Now I it. had tequila last night, and it gave me a different, different, you know, feedback than. What this is going to do for me? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be jumping off the walls in a minute. Now we got energy to finish this. So what is podcast. working? What in the last okay. four? So the hedge funds they came in last year and they were just trying to buy up cheap debt. Okay, they don't give a shit about the properties. They don't care. They just they knew that Biden had just printed more money than ever before. So if you increase the money supply, inflation has to rip. Now if inflation has to rip. If, if, if you're anticipating inflation is going to go up, you can't land at less than inflation. So uh, they're going to have to increase interest rates. 
so the good old days of 0% money, they knew we're going to come to an end. So it was like, okay, this is our last time in history that we're going to be able to get this super insane cheap debt. Let's get as much of it as we fucking can. Okay. So they went out and they went on a buying spree. There was actually one month on InvestLift where the average sale price of a property was over 100% ARV. Mm-hmm. Isn't that insane? Yeah. It seems insane to us, <laughs> but for them, it actually makes complete sense. They're actually just, they're looking at the deals in a completely different way than we are. Now, this was Q4 of 2022. This is Q3 that that happened, but they were getting all their credit lines from like Deutsche Bank and Goldman Sachs and like- so they're just, going back 12 months right now. Yeah, we're, we're talking Q, Q3 and, and they're just paying crazy amounts of money. So there's this huge influx of new wholesalers that were coming in because like anyone with a heartbeat can make money in wholesaling. Mm-hmm. Right. They bought so many properties so fast that the guys that were giving them all the warehouse lines and shit, they just pulled them all one day. And then all those hedge funds immediately tried out. Okay. It wasn't that people think that they, they, it was they, a light they, switch. They stopped buying because like the model didn't make sense anymore. No, it stopped buying because they got their warehouse lines. Y- yeah. And but, shit pulled. but the way I looked at it, because it all happened at the same time that the stock market dipped. So tell me if if you think this is accurate because you have a, such a good finance background. You raise all this money. You're a fund, right? You raise all this money. You take your money and you go deposit it in the private banking section of one of these big investment banks. Yeah. Then they give you a line of credit against your money that you deposited and you use the line of credit. So let's say you deposit 100% of the money and they give you a 70% line of credit or 80% yeah. line of credit against borrowed again at the, like no interest rate, 1%, 1% yeah. some low interest. Then you go buy up all this real estate. And that money that you gave them gets invested in the stock portfolio that is also earning money. Yeah. And when the stock portfolio dipped so aggressively in like a three-day period, mm-hmm. then their ratios got screwed up and the lines of credit said, halt. Risk models broke. The risk models broke. We cannot, we cannot, you got to pull back. And all the funds then said, pull back. Yeah. And the thing that people don't understand is when, when funds, so that's one way of doing it. Another way that the really big guys is the really big guys operate with what we call warehouse lines. And that's a whole nother topic that we don't need to dive into. But bottom line is when these funds create these, these, these debt instruments, they have specific requirements that they're legally obligated to operate within. So if they go outside the bounds of those requirements, all of a sudden, like their, their hands are tied. They just like, Oh, sir, we have to turn it off. Right. So that there was one day where like 16 of the biggest hedge funds in the country all stopped buying on the exact same day. And then everyone that was relying on the hedge funds, I, I told everyone, I'm like, dude, don't rely so much on the hedge funds. All the wholesalers that just sold the funds. Yeah, yeah. We, were, we were out at- They were in the hats saying that they only sell the funds and it was, yeah. yeah. Uh, Forrest and I were out at dinner with Zachary Keeps, who's one of the biggest buyers, and Vic Radio, who's one of the biggest <laughs> wholesalers. And Vic goes across the table, he's like, hey, Zach, you know, I got a really good deal for you that you should take a look at. And he says, you know what? This is how I know the market's softening. Because when Vic Radio who was like, you know, like a hedge fund guy. When Vic Heredia brings me a deal for the first time in the last two I know years, the hedge funds aren't buying. <laughs> I know the hedge funds yeah. aren't buying anymore. Yeah. It, was, it was hilarious. Um, uh, both great, great, great guys. But uh, so the hedge fund stopped, okay? And then what happened is it was like a bloodbath. Okay, so Q4, um, Q1 was a bloodbath, especially on the lower side of the spectrum, like the beginner wholesalers. The beginner wholesalers that didn't have access to a lot of capital, like guys like you, you got you got cash reserves, you got credit lines, you got you're insulated a little bit. We got hurt, but we weathered the storm. Yeah, but a, we got hurt for sure. A lot of coaches and other software companies I talked to, they lost sixty to eighty percent of their customers in a few months. Right, like all the noobs got wiped out. I'll, I'll be honest about this. Like on our high end plan, those guys stuck around. Mm-hmm. We didn't lose any of them. Mid-tier, we lost a few. The bottom tier of InvestorLift, we lost 50% of our user base in four or five months. 50%. Now, we were discussing that out of Formula One mm-hmm. and, and we were. pivoting there. Yeah, it was, like, it was like there's blood in the streets. January of this year, most people don't know this. January of this year, if you look at real estate investment transactions as a percentage of homes sold, January of this year was the lowest it's ever been other than during the COVID lockdowns. Yeah. Mm buyers evaporated as well. 
Let's, let's fast forward to fourth quarter 2023. Um, where are we at right now? A little positive news. Yes. We had some relief in the interest rates. Yesterday, they finally hit the sixes. Yes. So, so now things are starting to stabilize a little bit more. It's like it's taken a year for us to get there because uh, the problem we had, you know, us wholesalers, we don't care if the prices are here or here. We don't care if they're low. We don't care whether they're high. It doesn't matter. We to buy us. below the median. Yeah, yeah. We don't give a fuck. Where we get squeezes on 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 the the rotation of the market. So that rotation is finished in some markets. Um, you know, the buyers are looking six months ahead. Sellers are looking six months behind. You got to have seller expectations get aligned before the market gets back into like efficiency. Now that has happened on the East Coast. Okay, so if I look at some cities. One of the things we'd like to look at is like, what is the volume of properties that are posted last year versus the volume of properties posted this year? Okay, if I go at and look at like a city like Atlanta, Georgia, I think it's like 140%. So it's up. Inventory is up in Atlanta. Deals are happening. Okay, it, it dropped off Q4, Q1, but it's back up. And not only is it back up, but it's back up at a higher rate than it's ever been before. So the whole East Coast is back. The West Coast in Phoenix is not back as much okay california is starting to come back phoenix is not coming back has not come back at all like maybe there's 10 percent of the volume of deals this year than there was last year because seller expectations have not come back sellers still in phoenix still think they can get top dollar yeah we're, for we're all nuts here yeah yeah I, you know you know how i know we're nuts go out in my parking lot there's 45 teslas yeah. yeah, I've never seen anything like it. I'm like every car looks like my Tesla. I'm like every, white Tesla, every white Tesla, Tesla, white Tesla, white Tesla, white Tesla. I'm like, we got too much freaking money going on around this building or something because everybody drives <laughs> a fancy spaceship. <laughs> I know, you know. But it, I, what, what do you think is going to happen? You think five months, four months, okay. six months? I've said this. If you go look at my reels, and you go back. I first of all, I predicted the hedge fund blow up. Right. If you look at my reels, you'll see me. I'm like, guys, the hedge funds, this is a debt play, but don't rely on them too much because as soon as the debt play goes away, the hedge funds are going to be gone. Therefore, go to investlive.com and buy investlive today. <laughs> <laughs> so I predicted that one successfully. This, this whole podcast has become an investor it's, lift. It's, Send us the deal. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a my shame, bad guys. shameless, shameless plug. Yeah, guys, but honestly, hey, this, this is, is about stuff that works. Yeah, this, this is, is why works. we're talking yeah. about it, to be honest. Okay, so th that played out exactly how it was expected to play out. I'll tell you what's going to play out next. Okay? If you look at Wall Street, Wall Street is sitting on more cash than ever before in history. Okay, look at what the big players are doing. Blackstone. Blackstone just raised, mm -hmm. I think, like 50 billion and specifically earmarked a bunch of that for single family houses. Okay. So when you're seeing more cash than ever before, you can do that as long as you don't have high inflation. Guess what? We have high inflation. So that cash that they're sitting on is losing value. So they need to get out of their cash positions quick. Right. So we're seeing more, more cash than ever before. You look at the biggest funds, they're making moves saying that, hey, we're earmarking funds for real estate investment, but no one's deploying yet. They're waiting for a softening to happen. Like I'm like, why are people are like, why aren't they deploying? Why are they still sitting? They're waiting for the softening to happen, and it almost seems like it's irrational. But again, when you see these guys making moves, they don't make mistakes. Like what they did last year, that was not people are like, oh, it's crazy. They're going to lose all their money. No, it was not a mistake. It was a brilliant move. They're about to make another brilliant move. Okay, what they're looking at is they're looking at consumer debt. They're looking at inflation rate. The inflation is ripping at a higher rate than. Uh, then wages are going up. So if inflation, cost of living is going up higher than wages are going up, what happens is people don't decrease their standard of living and start living on a lower budget. What they do instead is they finance the increased costs with consumer debt. Didn't so we just at, cross a trillion for the first time ever in, in credit card debt? For the first I, I time? wouldn't be surprised. I think I just saw that article. It's the highest it's ever been. It's yeah, the highest it's highest ever been. been. I think it, they said we crossed a trillion. HELOCs were basically shut off. Chase, Chase, Bank of America, they basically all just said, yeah. no more HELOCs. <laughs> There's <laughs> a huge incredible. debt bubble. Listen to Ray Dalio. He's we've been talking about it. Like we're at the end of that, that debt bubble. That debt bubble is going to pop. Okay, And when people can't pay their, 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 their car loan, they can't pay their credit card debts. They don't want to default on everything. So they got this house that's basically their piggy bank. That's where mm -hmm. all their money is. So they're going to have to break that piggy bank and take some money out to pay off their consumer debt. 
So I think a lot of, I think next year, a lot of people are going to break those piggy banks. There's going to be a lot of sellers that are going to start to come in market. It's already starting to happen. Like if you look at inventory, uh, October inventory versus inventory last year, it's up 30%, right? So it's already starting. And what's going to happen is it's going to start spiraling because everyone's going to see that, oh shit, prices are going down, which then puts even more pressure on them to like sell today because the price yep. I'm going to get tomorrow is going to be it. lower. So it's going to create the spiral down, I think. So in the Phoenix market, if you were, you know, to have a magic wand, would you say another 10%, you know, is probably reasonable before we hit a bottom point? Or do you think we've already hit bottom and things are going to start, you know, stabilizing? There's going to be 2% appreciation over the next 2024 and then stay alive till 2025. That's I, I don't I don't know for sure. I'm not an expert on Phoenix and Phoenix is like th this weird market that Phoenix doesn't perform Vegas. like the way that other markets do. But I'll tell you, I think there's going to be a lot more inventory coming. There's going to be a lot of more motivated sellers, people that have consumer debt that they're trying to exit their house to go pay off that debt. I think we're going to see a lot of that next year. And I think Wall Street's going to be sitting there ready to buy all those houses. And you want, they're going to buy those houses and they're going to rent them right back. So if you're a fix and flipper, when should you be looking to fix and flip because right now as our fix and flip business i've kind of kind of halted yeah. you know i buy really deep deals usually i had to have you know 125k spread between purchase price and arv and now i'm looking for 200k spread i have to have something buy it to mm -hmm. exit at four and i'm looking at 90 days uh of you know comps and i'm not going back six months nine months yeah. i'm looking 90 days and i'm not even looking at Close comps in 90 days. I'm looking ahead into actives and pendings and days on market because it's just so tight right now that I yeah. don't even care about what closed in the last 90 days because the next 90 days moving forward is going to be the yeah, time we don't want to catch a spending. I'm looking yeah. at the actives. I'm actually calling the agents. I'm saying, hey, what is your activity? What is your offers? Are you guys having any plans to do any price drops? And really identifying, you know, what's happening. But I just don't want to buy any fix and flip unless I got that big spread right now. And I think that there's a lot of other fix and flippers out there that are just kind of on hold sitting yeah. on that money. Yeah. You know, we They're always follow, follow what the money does, right? If the funds aren't buying, why yeah. am I buying? Right. Yeah. So do you think this is going to be another six months before? I mean, you have the data. Yeah. You're an investor. Lift. Are fix and flippers buying like crazy right what's now? What's interesting is well, they're, actually, they're actually buying at a higher rate than they've ever bought before. Mm -hmm. So people think that like, you know, we did drop 50%, like December, January, we were down 50% or north of 50% for a few months. It was like Armageddon, mm. but it's bounced back and we're now at the highest level we've ever seen, but it's not the big institutional money. It's the small investors. Okay. Small investors are pulling their money out of their stock portfolio and doing their first couple of flips. We're seeing a lot more of that. Your HGTV buyers, a lot more of that. Um, I like the way that Zach keeps... Uh, operates his business, he just always buys. Like, I think you should always be buying, always be doing deals, but just like, you know, in a position right now, what I would be doing is I'd be trying to get, you know, like the good stuff with like seller finance. So let's talk a little bit about creative buy finance. Buy a little bit deeper. Because that's what we're seeing the most success in. If we're getting a deal under contract via subject to or seller finance using creative terms, uh, you know, Cody put together an amazing course called freehouseformula.com. Yeah where you actually get all the contracts, the lawyers, they explain everything. We have cartoon teaser videos. If you want to get involved with creative financing, go to freehouseformula.com, get, get, get that course. Um, but when we started locking up deals with using creative terms, we were able to I then exit those deals. And we had a, a, a select like 10 people that said, I'll buy in these five places as long as the entry fees. Yeah. And the assignment fee doesn't equal more than, you know, say 40000 or 35000 or whatever the case mm -hmm. is. And it's turnkey. It's rent ready or it needs just a clean out. Yeah. But you, you're you you're taking it a bit far, farther because you're seeing a lot of the success, success in these creative uh, deal structuring strategies on the Dispo side. Um, and you're actually making a pivot in your software to allow sub two yeah. deals to be every data field entered without missing information yeah. because if you're you you got nine pieces of the pie but you're missing you know yeah, like exactly no interest what's rate, the mortgage like, rate you know, or like, the term yeah. or the interest rate is you can't put the whole thing together so tell us a Huge little bit about that yeah and it, it, Forrest will tell will tell you that i 
have not been pushing seller finance or sub two very much. In fact, the opposite. I've been saying, mm-hmm. don't do that. Because if you do that, the problem is people try, it's a PhD level deal strategy. And when a noob tries to do that on their first deal, I personally believe that uh, it prevents them from getting that first deal. A lot of times it doesn't prevent them, but they, they just, the success rate that I see with people that go straight into seller financing sub two is their initial deal strategy versus just keeping it simple with cash. I think it's a lot lower. So I always tell it can people, get messy. Yeah, it can if get you don't messy know what you're real doing. quick. You got to know what you're doing. It's PhD level. If you're just getting started, stick with cash. Learn how to close cash first. Keep it simple. Then eventually add that on. And I didn't really like it that much too when we were operating and trying to scale companies up because what we saw is when we introduced that as a deal strategy, the sales team would use it as a crutch. And then what would happen is our revenue would just drop. You know, we'd be doing 600000 a month and we'd be like, hey guys, we're going to try to do a seller finance. And then they would just start automatically going to that anytime they got their cash offer accepted. And then like the next month, we're at like three hundred and fifty, And we're like, shit, okay, we're actually taking this away from you. And then all of a sudden we're back at 600, you know? So I haven't been pushing it that much the last couple of years because I've been focusing on like, let's just scale, let's just scale. Sure. If you want to scale, scale cash. But here's the thing. It's starting to get really sexy. Okay, I'll tell you why. Uh, again, going back to what we were talking about, we had all this cheap debt. That's never happening again. We will never see interest rates that low. I don't think, probably in our lifetimes. But after COVID, there's this huge real estate buying freaking frenzy where a lot of new mortgages were being issued. And those mortgages are at the lowest rates in history. If you look at FHA mortgages, I believe the number is 65% of all FHA mortgages were originated since the COVID-19 lockdowns. Yeah. Okay. So those guys have no equity. That's 65% of but FHA mortgages. sexy rate. But they got the sexiest rate. Yeah. Which means their payments are half what they're going to be right now. Which means that if you can go... And now here's the other thing too. A lot of those guys are stuck in those houses. Right? They're stuck in those houses. They might want to move, but they feel like they can't, right? So if you can go and tap into that cheap debt and grab some of that cheap debt, like the hedge funds did, it's the same strategy the hedge funds were doing. We're just- Yeah, if you, want a three per, if you want a 3% interest rate to do your buy and hold strategy, how can we find those yeah, now? exactly. Right? That's, the, that's the trick. And, and your software is now allowing that to be sorted. Yeah. So we created a sub two seller finance tag where like you as a buyer can tag yourself as that. And when you post deals, you can tag that. So what we noticed is when we just introduced that just as like a MVP, like let's just see what happens here. And what we're seeing in the data is we're seeing those deals are moving a lot faster mm-hmm. at higher prices. Okay. Well, and on the, the, on the front end, they, people can filter for that. So yeah, if you just want to, if you it. just want to look for those deals, you don't have to scour through yeah. the site anymore. You just filter it out and boom, there you go. There's your sub two. There's your seller yeah. carry. What I love about that is that you talk about, you know, um, we, we were, we were with our multifamily division earlier and they were talking about it's not just one deal in multifamily. You're going to be working with that, you know, client over the 10, yeah. 10 deals, right? With a residential seller, you're probably only going to work with them one time, right? Yeah. But somebody that's selling a multifamily needs to either trade up through a 1031. They're going yeah. to sell that property. They're looking to expand their portfolio or eventually they want to retire and dispo their portfolio. So you're going to have that relationship opportunity. Um and over time, that's going to turn into deal over deal over deal over deal. Where the same thing with sub two and creative yep. is you got one buyer that says, I will buy any deal that that's is my so entry fee yep. as long as it meets this criteria, go. So what we're seeing is on our side, we need to lean in even heavier on just working with those buyers that are raising their hand yeah. saying, I got 500K and I want 12 properties. I can yeah. pay 40K per property, go get me 12. And then it doesn't matter if our entry fee is only 10 or 15, we can make 25K rips yeah. just dispoing yeah. these opportunities. And that works in today's market and will continue to work in any market, in, in my opinion, because the interest rates and the debt is there to stay. Yeah. And if it's in a two or three percent or four percent, you're never getting that back. So It'll it's be, one of those it's, things. It's where gonna be a gold rush. If you're looking two, for a deal, of, come to us. We have a lot of opportunities. Yeah. Um, next year, I'm, I'm super bullish on next year. Like, like 2024 going into 2025, I think it's gonna be like the the 
the best opportunity ever in our lives for making money in real estate because of this perfect storm. It's literally created this, this like crazy, insane money opportunity that we haven't seen. I don't think we've ever seen it before in American history. I don't think it's ever happened. Like, are you talking about like, are you talking about like a reset where it's going to be stabilized and, well, you, and got, you can look you got a hundred year debt cycle that's ending macroeconomic debt. So then you got a, a, a micro debt cycle also coming to an end. And then you have uh, all these people that have built up equity in their homes and they're going to have to break those piggy banks to pull out that equity. And then you got a bunch of other people that have the lowest interest rates ever in history, 65% of HHA mortgages, the ones without equity, they also have like the most insane interest rates ever that we can go grab those and have our payments half of what they're ever going to be before. And then you got uh, all this institutional money that's more cash than ever before sitting on the sidelines saying, let's go, let's get this party rolling. And the party is about mm. to start. This has been the easiest podcast I've ever recorded. Yeah, I, you've been I, awfully quiet over yeah, there. I'm Spurs. just listening to you guys go, dude. It's great. It's great. Look, we, we covered a lot of it's ground It's exciting here. stuff. And uh, it's been cool to have you, in, you know, in the office, just hanging out. You know, every once in a while when you pop in, we always have a good time. Always. And uh, pre just appreciate you for, for what you created and how you've always taken care of your customers and taken care of us. So thank you for that. Um, guys, you can go to codysconnections.com if you want to, you know, test test drive investor lift for yourself and your business, or if you don't and you just want to dispo through us, send us to deals.com. And uh, yeah, thank you, dude. Awesome. We're, thank we're, you. We're, we're going to take off out of here. And until next time, take care. Comb your hair. Peace. Hey, Cody Sperber, the original Clever Investor, host of the Clever Investor Show podcast. And I'm shooting this ad right now to let you know that this podcast exists. It's finally out and we have some amazing guests. So please, I'm begging you, can you just come and give our podcast a listen? I've been doing real estate for a really long time. I've accessed some of the coolest people in the world. We were having all these amazing conversations and I'm like, what are we doing? Let's record this and actually put it out on a podcast. But the problem is, I have to let people know about it. That's where this ad comes in and this is where you come in. You're going to be able to learn from successful entrepreneurs, get in-depth interviews from amazing leading experts. You're going to learn real estate investing strategies and tactical training strategies that work in today's market. We're going over market analysis and different market predictions. You're going to be able to engage in an awesome community. And we go into some pretty deep dives on the mindset of what it takes to win the game of money and in life, plus lots of bonus resources and exclusive content. So what you're going to want to do right now is click the link that you see on your screen and give the show a subscribe today. We have amazing guests like Ken McElroy and Robert Kiyosaki and Wes Watson and Pace Morby and Jamil Damji and Vina Jetty and a whole host of amazing men and women entrepreneurs that you're going to love to learn from and get to know. So what you want to do right now is click that link and give the show a subscribe today.